You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of the Nosebleed Seats on the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. I'm Jordan Anderson. With me, as always, Marcus Baker. Marcus, a little rough, rough time with the Raiders. Fortunately, we, we pulled through, you know, got the win. But uh, how are we feeling about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up? It's going to be interesting. Um, my stress level is going to depend on which Buccaneers team we get, probably. Um, and it's going to also depend on what Chiefs team shows up. I mean, we've seen weeks where it's a full football game on all three phases, and then we see weeks like last week against the Raiders, where if not for the offense, we lose the game. So, And same way for Tampa. If you can get rush on Tom Brady and get consistent pressure this year, they've shown that they can't win football games. So it's going to depend on what Buccaneers team and what Chiefs team shows up to play on Sunday for sure. Going to be exciting to watch this 325 game. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, so you know it's going to be a good uh, commentated game. But let's let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, you know, our listeners know by now the routine. Uh, going to talk about some early Chiefs news that we've got. Um, you know, it's Thanksgiving weekend. We're recording a day early. Happy Thanksgiving to those uh, listeners out there that listen to us and to, to everyone, actually, you know, not just not just our listeners, but to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all. But uh, we're going to talk about some injury news. Then we're going to talk about the preview of Tampa Bay and Kansas City. As usual, our three impact players for both teams. And then we're going to cap it off with Marcus's make or break keys to victory. So, Marcus, uh, the early news out of Kansas City that we received, I think, yesterday is that Byron Pringle has been placed on the IR with a ankle injury. Um, that's kind of unfortunate. The way we saw Demarcus Robinson play on Sunday night was not very impressive. I was happy with Pringle's uh, play there. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad to see because I, I feel like he was up and coming and, you know, really taking advantage of his playing time with uh, McCall Hardman uh, out with the COVID stuff and Sammy Watkins being injured. I feel like he was really... Uh, getting a grasp of those snaps. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. It's frustrating because, I mean, it's the same story, different day type of deal with Pringle. Um, when we signed him originally, his rookie year, it was cut short in training camp with a season-ending injury. Um, we don't know the extent of the ankle injury. We don't know if it's going to be three weeks, if it's going to be season-ending. I haven't seen much on that. Um, I will say, him being a Kansas State guy, I actually had a class with him when I went to Kansas State, and I spoke to him in person a couple times and just back and forth on Instagram. I asked him, I said, how long are you out? And he responded on Instagram saying that he didn't know. So if he doesn't know, who does? You know what I mean? And it's only been a couple days removed that I get that, but he may have just been saying that because it doesn't want to be released. But he he started an Instagram Live and was, was on that, and then I sent him that message, and he just said, question mark, IDK. So, um. It'll be interesting to see what what uh, what comes of that. It's just it's sad because throughout his career he's been limited mainly just by injury, so it it sucks to see him be limited and even getting an initial opportunity because of injury. And then now you flip the clock a couple years in the future, 
and he's just starting to get into the fold, get consistent snaps, and then you've got another ailing injury with that with that ankle injury. So it's it's obnoxious, especially for us Chiefs and K Staters, because I mean you're rooting for the guy at all times. And I finally had felt like he was starting to get some all around respect from Chiefs Kingdom over a guy like Demarcus Robinson, who had a tough day, but he made a play on fourth down when we had to have one. And so it kind of it kind of softened the blow on his performance, but to say that it kind of seems unfair for Pringle is just – it's a reality, but it's football. I mean, that's the name of the game. Hopefully he can rally and be back in the next few weeks. And looks like we're going to need him because Sammy Watkins is literally made a glass. Made a glass. Yeah. Yep. Sammy Watkins has made a glass. Hardman's coming off of – I don't know if he had COVID or just contact tracing or not practicing. He didn't play very much in the Sunday night game, which, you know, kind of – you know, it, I w- I don't know if they just don't want him around people or just because he didn't practice all week. I would say it's because, because of the COVID. Of the but, I mean, he did make a key play there on the final drive. Yeah. Um, you know, on a third and I think medium to long that we had, and he made a good catch there uh, on one of his only, you know, times touching the ball all night. So, from what I could see, he came in in relief of Pringle. So I don't think he was part of the game plan until Pringle got hurt. So I would point more towards him missing practice than anything. And then, of course, in that situation, you don't have another alternative option with Sammy Watkins being out right. already. So you had to throw him in there even though he hadn't practiced. But he did make a play, made his presence felt. Robinson made a play when he absolutely had to, but it was probably his worst game of his career, I would say. Well, to wrap up the injury news, uh, Sammy Watkins has been at practice uh, last couple of days. We'll see where his status is on Friday. Uh, when the final team injury report comes out. Uh, But Marcus, let's go ahead and move on to Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Tampa Bay, uh, you know, they're – I feel like we still haven't seen their identity. I'm not sure who they are. I'm not sure if they're a good team that's playing bad or if they're a middle-of-the-road team that's been playing good. It's hard to – analyze them because we really don't know how good they are. I feel like they haven't reached their full potential yet. And I don't know if it's a team chemistry thing or that Brady still isn't comfortable in their system or what it is, but I, I'm worried about their receiving core for sure. If we play against them, like we did the Raiders, I think they'll put 45 on us at least the way our defense played. And that's not just our secondary. That's our entire defensive line. I think they had one pressure all night against the Raiders. Uh, maybe two. I think one was from Shavarius Ward on a blitz. So, I mean, I they've got to play better than that. I don't know if someone needs to call them out, or I know we definitely need to change the scheme up. That's that's for damn sure. But, you know, I don't want to talk about SPAC's problems and stuff like that. I just, I'm worried. I'm legit worried about this game. Um, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it because it's an NFC opponent. Um, it's not really do anything for us on the uh, playoff side. You know, we're second best team record wise in football right now. So, um, you know, hopefully the Steelers can take one loss against the Ravens here on Sunday. But I'm legit worried about the Bucks. The interesting part is when the schedule released way back when, I, I circled two games late in the season that I really thought would either define us, I mean, it define us either way, either a champion contender or a pretender. 
Those two games are the Bucks and the Saints. I still feel that way. Uh, more now so the, with the Saints than Tampa Bay because I think the Saints' defense has taken another step up. If they can get Drew Brees back prior to our game, I think that's something we got to worry about. Um, playing against a different quarterback, I'm not as worried. But with Tampa, kind of like I alluded to before, it's more or less what team shows up. Because like you said, they are, they have identity problems. Some days Brady looks like the greatest of all time, and then there's been other games where he looks mediocre, looks like Tom Brady of last year. And the roundabout truth is if you apply pressure on Tom Brady at this stage of his career, you're going to win if you have an offense that can score even decent. We look at the Rams last week. They inflicted pressure on him consistently throughout the game, and he struggled throughout the game. Their run game is very inconsistent. Um, some days Ronald Jones looks like the next superstar power runner in this game, and then there's weeks where he looks like a mediocre replacement-level running back. So it's really just going to depend on what Tampa Bay team shows up. I think regardless, we're an inconsistent team to the potential for sure, especially defensively and on special teams. But our offense as a whole is relatively consistent. You can almost – you're safe to put money but on scoring anywhere from 24 to 45 points from the Chiefs every week. That's a large range. But I would say 24 is a guarantee just based on statistics and what the offense has looked like with Patrick. And here recently we've been dropping scores around the 30-point mark, 28 to 35 in that range. I do believe that can be enough if we can, can uh, generate some pressure. I think that could be enough to win this game easily. Um, the difference maker in this in this matchup is going to be can we get to Tom Brady, which I'm worried about because we haven't shown the ability to do it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Buccaneers line is the Raiders line because it's not. That Raiders line is dominant. That Raiders, Raiders line excuse me, won just about every snap this last week. But the, the pass protection on our end was better. Patrick had time to throw in that last drive, and it won us the football game. Um, they generated more pressure than I'm comfortable with, only blitzing four guys on the Raiders' side this last week, which that kind of gives me some fear because Tampa Bay, they have very high-level coverage linebackers, and they have a lot of speed in their secondary. Uh, they've got uh, Carlton Davis. Oh, goodness. Who's some of Jordan them? Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead. They have uh, – is Antoine Winfield Jr. still hurt or is he back? I think he's back. He's playing out of his mind. I mean, if not for the – I think he missed a week or two. He's defensive rookie of the year in my opinion. Their linebackers are lightning fast Yeah, too, they have so. Devin White and uh, – oh, who's the other guy? Devontae David. Devontae David, yeah. If they're dropping seven into coverage with the speed they have at linebacker and then you look at the youth and speed they have at corner and then they're blitzing four with the guys like JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett, if those guys are getting pressure with just four blitzers, we're going to struggle offensively, I believe, because this team isn't the Raiders in coverage. It's going to be hard to force throws on this team. And this is one thing I'll say, Carlton Davis, I think he's one of the most underrated corners in the game. He's up there in the top. I would say seven, maybe top five corners for me. They struggled a little is bit. He, is he one of your impact guys? He actually didn't happen to be because I think there's some guys that are going to be. Oh, yeah, actually he was. 
excuse me, yeah, Carlton Davis is one of my impact guys because I really think with the the injuries we're dealing with now with Pringle going down, Robinson's inconsistent play, we don't really know what the situation's looking like with Hardman. I'll be happy if Sammy can make it through two quarters of a game since it's the regular season. It's, I mean, we could very well see a Carlton Davis versus Tyreek Hill one-on-one shadow the whole game. And if I'm Tampa, I consider it because I would say Davis is one of the few corners in the game that can run with Tyreek. He can't run with him consistently, but he can do it in crunch time. Now, maybe by the time the fourth quarter hits, if we're on the field a lot, he may not be able to go step for step, but this is one of the few corners that I would be comfortable playing man coverage against Tyreek. Um, and I think they'll do it. He's got the speed. He's got the technique. And I think he's going to end up ultimately becoming one of the best corners in the league. I think he's already in that group. But I think at some point with Tampa now being in the limelight, having Tom, when we get later in the season and these crunch time games come up and we get into the playoffs, the national scene is going to get to see what a guy like Carlton Davis can do. I think he's going to garner the respect that he deserves. Um, they have another guy, Sean Murphy Bunting. He's good too. Yep. Um, he's another young quick physical corner. Um, I think that they, as a defense, are they're dangerous. Todd Bowles, I think, is the best. And I really regret hiring Spags. I wanted Todd Bowles when we took Spags. And we went in a different direction. I like Spagnolo's scheme. I like that he knows what kind of guys he wants to have in his scheme. But I get frustrated because he sometimes seems unwilling to make adjustments. He makes none. Right. And the players, the players are frustrated with it too. You see what happened between Chris Jones and Legarius Sneed. From what I've heard, that's because Sneed approached Spags requesting adjustments. And Chris Jones, and as a leader of a defense, you do that because you don't want one of your young guys questioning your leader and your coordinator. You can't right. you can't let that happen as as one of the head honchos on a defense. So I understand why Chris got upset, but Sneed's not wrong. And he was playing and dominating as a as a rookie when the defense was still clicking, when they still had that vibe coming off of a Super Bowl championship and they were playing like it. And he got injured with that collarbone break. And when he comes back, it's not the same team defensively. Things are very different. Tyron's is playing very poorly. I think he's sick. But and we'll see. Juan Thornhill, I don't think he's where he wants to be in his recovery from his ACL tear. Sorensen makes plays when plays need to be made, but he's not consistent. And then Charvarius Ward's just had a terrible year, and Rashad Breland's gotten very grabby and handsy this season, late in into the last few weeks since returning from a suspension. You know, that's what I was saying at the beginning of our of our episode here, is that someone needs to step up. Like, I don't care who it is. Willie Gay has played tremendous. Yes. Uh, I think last week, I mean, he got the most of his opportunities. He got more snaps than Ben Neiman, finally. And, you know, he he took advantage of those, and he was flying all over the football field, making exceptional plays to get uh, Jacobs for short yard gains. So I was really happy with that. I don't even care if it's Willie Gay. I don't care if it's a rookie. Someone needs to step up. Someone needs to take control of the defense. Someone needs to call out their teammates when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, take take the leadership by by the reins because there's there's nobody doing it right now. You don't see Tyron Matthew getting in anybody's ass anymore. I mean, Chris Jones got in LeJarrius Sneeze, but that's over, you know, over making adjustments. 
you need someone to gather the whole team up on the sidelines like Patrick Mahomes does to the offense when they're playing shitty. Pardon my French. But, you know, you need someone like that on the defense, and there hasn't been anyone like that all year. And they've had good games, but yes, it's against the Jets. Like, you you got to have consistency, and you need to have it against teams like these, or they will kill you. And I, I think the reality of the situation is, I don't think this unit as a coaching staff, I don't think they're capable of making the adjustments necessary. Because I think if they could, they would have done it. If you watch the games, the two games we played against the Raiders, I went back and watched the full games on both. Spags seemed incapable of countering whatever John Gruden did. Gruden would make an adjustment, and we did nothing. And it it makes me wonder, does he not know how to counter it, or is he too worried to take a risk? And in my opinion, if he's too worried to take risks, that's not a guy you need. Not with the type of offense we have. We'd be better off with a guy like Todd Bowles that's going to be over-aggressive than somebody that's going to be conservative and not make any changes. We already had that for five years. And a man with white hair and glasses. We don't want that back. We don't. As a fan base, as a defense, the players, they don't want that. I know they all have faith in Spags. They like him. But at the end of the day, if you can't do the coaching, you can't be on this in this organization, you just can't because every year that you have 15 under center, it's championship or bust. That's the reality. That is the expectation that his greatness is built around this organization and him as a player. If you don't win the Super Bowl, it's going to be a disappointment. He's going to get the Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady treatment from the rest of it for the rest of his time in Kansas City. So you need a coordinator that may bend a little bit, but it's going to have guys that are super aggressive, a scheme that's super aggressive that can adjust to create turnovers. We can give up as many points as we want to if we're creating turnovers. We can give up 30 points a game because if we get two or three turnovers a game, we're going to score 50. That's just a fact. Cutting those possessions down and giving the offense more opportunities is going to be the best way for this team to win Super Bowls. We saw it last year. The defense wasn't dominant until the – playoffs really but what made them dominant is they were able to create turnovers in key situations and it seems like the only person that's been able to carry that over to this season is Dan Sorensen everybody else is just like okay we're gonna leave that in Miami and fly back to Kansas City I and like I said I don't think Frank Clark's healthy I don't think Chris Jones is fully healthy I also don't think Chris Jones goes 100 percent every snap I don't want to say that because he's one of my favorite players but it's on tape and then I think Tyron Matthews had some issues physically the last two weeks. Because before that, he was playing really well. But what's bothering me is his instincts have just seemed a bit off. And I don't know maybe if it's more physical limitation, if he is ill or whatever, or he's having injury problems, or he's just a little bit banged up. It's a possibility that that's the problem. Because he just seems to step slow. The instincts are there and he's reacting to the plays, but it doesn't look like 2019 Tyron here in 2020. So I'm wondering if he's just not got some ailing uh, bumps and bruises from earlier on in the season that's affecting his play because we've seen a big drop-off. And I didn't put him in my keys to victory players. Or not my keys. Yeah, but I didn't really mention him either in my maker breaks. But Tyron Matthews is going to be somebody that determines whether or not the Chiefs succeed down the stretch. Because if he's not the headhunting alpha dog of this defense in the back end, 
they're not going to be what they were last year. And that's the reality that I pitched preach to people when they talk to me about Tyron and Frank Clark, because a lot of people think Frank Clark is overpaid. I get frustrated with the lack of sack production, but he's a lead at setting the edge in the run game. He's very solid at stopping the run, and he can create pressures when he's healthy. I've noticed there's a huge drop-off when he's not. But there's no burst off the line like normal from him, I don't think. The power doesn't seem to be there in his bull rush moves like they have been in the past. But what's bothering me the most is I don't see that dog mentality. I don't see that fighter. I don't see that kid that grew up on Skid Row. Like that guy's not coming through for some reason. So I have to think that something's wrong with him personally because when he's at 100%, he's got that mentality. He's got that killer instinct as this tyrant. And I think Chris developed it last year in a way that he didn't have it before. So it'll be interesting to see how they can – evolve and hopefully get healthy, fully healthy to hundred percent each individually. And hopefully that'll create some pass rush for us and create a little bit of a chip. Cause the only person on our defense is playing tough is Dan Sorensen and Willie Gay, because he's fighting for respect and opportunities. Those are the two guys in the last two or three games that have popped at certain points in the game, but they still struggled and there's still not been consistency, but they've made plays and popped from time to time on film. We just need that. We need more consistency from everybody on the defense. I think the offense will be fine. I think the offense will do what they want to do. But as far as my, as far as my uh, defense or the Tampa Bay guys, of course, you got to go Tom Brady on the impact players. You've got to go Mike Evans just because I do think Chris Godwin's success is a compliment to Mike Evans' success in the past, even dating back to last year. Antonio Brown, I mean. I think he's capable. I don't think he'll ever stop being capable because he's so athletically gifted. So that's somebody, of course, you have to pay attention to. And then Carlton Davis, the corner that I mentioned previously. Um, I think all three of those guys are going to make make a huge impact for Tampa. And the way those three guys could play or do end up playing, I think will tell tell the uh, story for the Buccaneers on Sunday, without a doubt. But uh, you want to go ahead and hit the Chiefs, three key guys? Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – I'll tell you mine, but I mean, they're a little different from yours, uh, just according to our notes here. And actually, I do not have a single offensive player. Actually, I, I lied. I have one offensive player here. Um, I have Tyron Matthew on here, on my impact players. And I have Chris Jones on here, just for the simple fact that I want to see how they turn things around this week, if they turn things around this week. They both need to play great games for us to have a chance defensively to get Tampa Bay off the field to put pressure on Tom Brady and, you know, to to cover because we didn't see much of that last week. So I'm excited to see how they respond this week. And my one offensive player is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Just because, you know, he had a great game last week, didn't have too many carries, but he, he got in the end zone twice. Um, that just adds another dimension to our goal line offense there if he's able to punch it in like he did last week. So I'm excited to see what he can do, um, you know, they're expecting us to throw the ball 50 times. I think we come out and surprise them and run the ball a bunch. But, um, you know, you can go ahead and name off your other two. I think I got one of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other two, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey. It's going to be that way consistently just because of what they do to the offensive game plan. Um, I'm really interested to see how that Tyree Kill and Carlton Davis matchup turns out. And then 
Travis Kelsey, I think he'll be dominant. He always is. And that's something I think they're really going to have to focus on early in the game to allow Tyreek to make plays later on. They need to really attack the middle, therefore the focus of the defense isn't necessarily predicated on stopping the deep ball. If they can do that, I think both Hill and Kelsey could have a good game. I'm excited to see for sure. We got about six minutes here, Marcus, for your make or breaks, which is now wow, which it is now time for. So with that being said, uh, six minute clock, time's yours. All righty, back for another uh, make or break here uh, in the middle of November, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Like Jordan mentioned, exciting time here in Chiefs Kingdom. Looking forward to another great matchup against one of the game's greatest of all time, and Tom Brady there in Tampa. Um, First, let's hit on uh, what the Chiefs need to do. I think one telling statistic that a lot of people don't think about, the Chiefs actually are more successful when they don't get into shootouts. The main shootouts that Patrick Mahomes has gotten into, really the big one you think of is the Rams game, and they ended up losing. And statistically, every time he's in a shootout where the opposing team, I believe, uh, scores over 35, the Chiefs have barely won or lost. So uh, the team itself actually does better and it's been proven to, that they'll succeed at a higher rate statistically, and it's just win percentage if they stay out of a shootout. So give Tom Brady what he likes. Give him the methodical stuff early to prevent the deep stuff late. So they really need to attack. Oh, excuse me. I was, I was going on Tampa, my fault. For Kansas City, they need to prevent a shootout and then attack the middle of the field with Kelsey early. And like Jordan said, run the ball early and often. Make the Tampa Bay linebackers respect your run game. Because with their coverage ability, if they're prepping to play coverage pre-snap and they're rolling on the back of their heels before the ball's even hiked, that's going to put you at a disadvantage if you're the Chiefs offense. So establish a run game early to where they have to actually crash and be prepared to play the run and use the RPO at that point to manipulate those linebackers in the run game or the fake run essentially, and then hit your Kelsey over the middle. Hit your Tyreek over the top. Make this defense respect the run game, therefore it opens up the pass game. Um, I think for Patrick, he really needs to use what we saw even last last week with Jonathan Abram. The reason the Chiefs won that game and got that touchdown wide open to Tyreek, or Travis Kelsey, excuse me, is because Patrick manipulated John Abrams to play aggressive and leave his assignment by Approaching the line of scrimmage, acting as if he was going to run, he intentionally pulled Abram, knowing that he had an aggressive tendency as a player, intentionally pulled him off of Kelsey, which ultimately left him wide open for the game-winning touchdown. I think Pat really needs to rely on those instincts and being able to manipulate these young defensive backs in this game. And then once the Chiefs, of course, establish a lead, just at that point in the fourth quarter, try to run the clock out. Because we've seen when they get into shootouts, it can be dangerous. For the defense, be stout against the run game early. Force Tom Brady to beat you deep down the field. They really need to focus on limiting the short to intermediate passing game and the yards after catch from these Tampa Bay def- or uh, wide receivers. Excuse me. If they can do that and bring consistent pressure on Brady, we've seen throughout the season, if you can pressure him and focus mainly on shutting down what he does best, he's going to get rattled. He's going to get angry. And he's going to struggle. That's exactly what the Rams did last week, and I think the Chiefs need to focus on doing the same. Prevent the short to intermediate things that he likes, tackle sound and consistently, 
and generate as much pressure as possible. Because Brady's shown to make his mistakes when he has to force the football down the field. So put him in a position to where that's the only thing you're giving him, and I think the Chiefs are going to be well on their way defensively to uh, having a bounce-back game and making themselves into a victor. But for Tampa Bay, they really just need to do what every team should do against this Chiefs defense, attack the linebackers, and try to establish the run early. And then at that point, it's going to open up your pass game. Even though they like to do the short to intermediate passes, if you can set up play action and bootleg passes and the short and quick game for Tom Brady to get him comfortable, keep him in rhythm, and still get production out of guys like Ronald Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette, that's going to be the best opportunity for Tampa to play their game. And then if the Chiefs have to respect the run game, of course, it's going to open up the field for the deep plays to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and maybe even Antonio Brown. So for Tampa offensively, really just focus on attacking the linebackers over the middle of the field, um, primarily using short passing concepts and intermediate passing concepts. Since that's Brady's bread and butter, get him comfortable early and then complement that with intense run and consistent run. Don't, Don't get away from the run game, even if the pass is working, because you have to make the Chiefs respect your run to, uh, open that field up for Brady down the field ultimately, because they're going to have to score points at end all be all. And the chiefs will give them the short stuff. I think, even though I don't agree with it, I think they will to prevent the big play to Mike Evans, but for Tampa, it's just do what you do. And then when the field's open, take your shots for the defense in Tampa Bay, they need to really focus on not dying by the big play. Give the chiefs the underneath game, the short run game. And then, you got to kind of force Patrick to be conservative. Cut off Tyree Kill deep down the field. Cut off Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman deep down the field. Drop your seven elite level cover guys that are combining your secondary and those really fast linebackers. Let those guys work in pass coverage. Blitz four, just like we saw the Raiders do. And that's really the Raiders' game plan both times. They dropped seven, eight guys into coverage and they blitz their down linemen depending on what look they were in. But for the most part, they're playing multiple defensive backs and just rushing the down linemen. I think if you're Tampa, you do the same thing. You look at guys like Sue, uh, they have uh, Nunez Rochez used to be in Kansas City. Um, I can't remember what else they have there. I think Vita Vey is injured. And then they've got Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett on the edges. Just blitz those four guys, drop everybody else into coverage, which is their strength, in my opinion, from what they have. And then let those linebackers, of course, work in stopping the run. But with their athleticism and physicality in Tampa, I think they're going to be fine at stopping the run game. Um, so it's really going to be Patrick Mahomes, and can he outduel that seven-man pass coverage, snap in and snap out? And if he can, the Chiefs deserve to win. But if, you, if you're the Buccaneers, your best opportunity is to play that way, be conservative defensively, and don't let them beat you deep down the field. But um, all in all, I think the Chiefs – I think the Raiders just have their number a little bit, even though they didn't come out with the win. I think the Spagnolo versus John Gruden matchups in favor of the Raiders. And I expect with Todd Bowles being an Andy Reid protege, I think Andy will have success against him. He has against a lot of his former uh, coaching tree guys. He knows Todd a little bit, and I think it's going to help him be successful and this team be successful as a whole. I expect the Chiefs offense to surprise some people and dominate. We saw what the Rams did to them last week, and I think the Chiefs are very well capable of doing the same thing. Um, I still think this is going to be a very close game. 
my final score is going to be 31 to 24 Kansas City. I have 35-32 Kansas City. Harrison Butker is the hero in closing seconds. Um, I think it's going to be that close. I worry about their size at receiver and their speed at receiver. So we will see how it goes. Anyway, guys, that does it for us here on the Nosebleed Seats. Remember, 325 game, so sleep in a little bit. Work off that Thanksgiving hangover. You know, eat some leftovers if you're into that. Uh, I know I will be. You know, my family usually eats turkey for the next week after that. So, uh, you know, eat some of that for lunch. Watch the noon games, 325. we got Jim Nance, Tony Romo on the call. I can't wait. It's going to be a good game, primetime game. It's America's game of the week. Uh, that's not on Fox, thank the Lord. But, you know, let's go get them. Let's get after it. Let's go get them. Marcus, you got anything to add before we get off here? I just want to mention the one hill that Patrick Mahomes has yet to climb is consistently beating Tom Brady. I think Patrick's going to come into this game with a hunger. I think his greatness and competitiveness, his Jordan-esque competitiveness is almost to a crazy level. I think he respects Tom Brady, but I think that's the one person that he doesn't feel like he's conquered. And the one goal he hasn't conquered is dominating Tom Brady consistently. I feel I expect Patrick to come out and have another MVP-level game. And like I said, I think the Chiefs are just going to barely squeak away with a single-score win. I don't care how much they win by. I don't care if it's one. I don't care if it's 20. Let's just get a win. That does it for us here on the Nosebleed Seas, guys. I'm Jordan Anderson. With me as always, Marcus Baker. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your days off of work. We'll see you guys next week. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!